Welcome to Ascend and Transcend. I'm your coach, Elizabeth, and today's guest is Dr. Cheryl Ziegler. She is a friend and somebody that I am just so inspired by because she is a, you know, adolescent therapist as well as a best-selling author. She wrote this book, Mommy Burnout, and I highly recommend every mom check it out. Um, but on today's show, we actually talk about middle childhood, aka pre-puberty. So this episode is for you. If you have a child between the ages of seven and 12, you might be thinking that puberty isn't going to hit until they're in their teen years, maybe until they're in high school. But what Dr. Cheryl's research suggests is that actually there is this whole pre-puberty stage. So if your kids are running high on emotions, if they're fighting with each other, if they're starting to withdraw from you, this is the episode. And it definitely hit close to home because both of my girls, which I didn't even realize, are technically in this middle childhood pre-puberty stage. So she's writing a wonderful book to help us navigate this. And she starts to share a lot of those little nuggets on today's episode. So I hope you love it. Dr. Cheryl, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I feel like there's so many different topics that we could cover with you because your wealth of experience runs really wide and deep. But today we decide to talk about this middle childhood and what that is, this sort of prepubescent stage that children go through. And even just before we hit the record button, we were talking about, you know, maybe kids in this age range can feel a little misunderstood. And frankly, parents are probably very confused because it's not obvious puberty that usually hits around the age 13. So I'm so excited to have you on to talk about this because I think it's going to shed some light on some frustrations and confusion that a lot of parents have. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for letting me talk about a topic that I'm really excited about, passionate about. And like I told you, I am knee deep into researching right now for my second book. Yeah, exciting. Well, yeah, in her first book, you guys have to pick it up. It's Mommy Burnout. And I feel like that was another really relevant topic, but maybe we'll have to have you back on to talk about mommy burnout and symptoms. I think we know when we're burnt out, but I also feel like there aren't a lot of really actionable tools out there. So that'll be for another day. But for today, I would love you to just shed some light for our listeners on what this concept of middle childhood is. Yeah. So what happened was, let me just share with you a little, the backstory of how I got to this point. There's two backstories. One of them is from about 10 years ago, I had a friend who went with her two girls and her husband. They went out to San Francisco for six months and it was for work. So when she got back, we had a dinner, right? And I was like, oh, of all the things you did out there, you know, what was your, what was your favorite thing? And she said, actually, this class that I took about puberty. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, I went with her daughter at the time. And I was like, wait, she's only in fourth grade. Like what? Right. And she's like, yeah, it was given at Stanford and it was by like done by a nurse. It was over these two weekends and I learned so much. And so as she's talking, I'm like staring at her thinking, this is the talk I do one on one with all these middle schoolers. Right. Yeah. So afterwards, I, her name, my friend's name is Kim. And I was like, Kim, I could do a course like this. Like I was just really jazzed. Like I could do the course like this. And so she actually helped me co-found what is called Start With The Talk, which is a parent-child puberty course that I give in person. And I've been doing it for 10 years now, almost 10 years. And so what has happened over the last 10 years is when I first was marketing this class, right? So it was really, I will say in all of the 10, 2020, 
three, it will be 10 years. So just about 10 years that I've done it. I have not had any dads or uncles or grandpas come. Okay. So a lot of times I will call it a mother daughter class because that's really who's come. I've had grandmothers. I've had aunts. I've had godmothers. And it's this beautiful class that I made my own. And what's happened over the last 10 years is I was first marketing this toward fifth, like fifth through eighth graders. Mm -hmm. And those are the, you know, it's age range I work a lot with. That's who I love. And then I'll never forget, I actually remember who it was. I'll never forget the first time I got a call and it was like, we want to do our whole fourth grade. And I was like, really? Like fourth graders? And and in the class, it's not about sex. It is just about your changing body, your brain, right? And so then I was like, Okay. And then I did it with, I did a fourth, fifth grade combo and it, it was lovely. I still found the fifth graders were probably asking more in-depth questions, but it was still lovely. And then all of a sudden I got a call for a third grader and I was like eight years old, like eight, almost nine years old. And the mom was like, yes, I actually signed up to class for my other daughter who is in sixth grade, but I really think my third grader needs it. So she brought both her daughters. And since then, I have found this trend that these classes on puberty, the changing body, breast buds, it's getting younger. And it, you know, a couple of months ago on, I think it was on the daily, the New York Times ran a whole thing about mental health and early puberty. And they had older pediatricians talking and being interviewed. And they were saying the things that I was seeing too, which is these things that I used to think, right? I've been doing my job for almost 25 years. These things that I used to think of as middle school, okay, we'll prepare a fifth or a sixth grader for menstruation and for pubic hair and and smelly armpits and things like that, as well as all the changes in the mind and in the emotions. They're all younger now and they're more serious, right? I used to say just body image. Now it's full-blown preparing them for eating disorders. And why do you think that is? Do you think that, I mean, I hear a lot of stuff of like a child's weight could affect if they have early puberty, if they're eating dairy with some hormones that are in it. Like, what do you attribute it to it getting younger and younger? Yeah, I love that you asked me that because I've been working on this for a couple of months and it's so great because I'm digging deep. Like, is there mm. truth to this stuff? The first thing I will tell you is I'm highly fascinated in the field of epigenetics right now. So in addition to, of course, loving psychology, epigenetics is really the, you know, what the combination of the environment and the genes and how the genes are expressed. So our genes aren't going to change, but how they are expressed can change due to environmental factors. Interestingly, such as BPA, right? So you know how we see everything, you know, BPA-free, BPA-free. Well, that's something that it appears I have found research on that legit says it interferes with hormones and estrogen and can cause early puberty. It was like, wow. And then interestingly, in the whole organic movement, right, I've gone through each line item and been challenged in, you know, been challenged on because I've got two other people looking at what I'm looking at and doing and saying, is this legit? Well, like, let's find out. Let's dig deep. And it's very interesting in terms of dairy. It's not so much that from what I'm finding today, not so much that the dairy has to be organic, but that the hormones that the animal that you're getting the products from, if they have been treated with hormones, it can disrupt your hormones, the developing child's hormones. So some of these things are true. So do we have to try to find dairy then that somehow is labeled hormone free or like how do we 
do that. I mean, I think it's just safer to avoid dairy, period, but and meat products. But I know that's not, you know, that's not everybody's path. And so if you are trying to, you know, I mean, BPA, we can look out for. But I think the dairy is one that's really interesting. So is there a way to kind of safeguard against getting dairy that has hormones in it? Yeah, I think what's been really interesting is I've been not only just looking at research, like actual journal articles that sometimes I have to kind of hobble my way through because they're written from different disciplines outside of psychology. But there are also some pretty common books. Like one of them is called The New Puberty. They talk about it right in there. I mean, they talk about, yes, avoid these products. Avoid hormones when you can. Buy milk that says not treated with hormones. I, I What I want to say to parents is if your kids are older, maybe they had early puberty or not, this isn't a time to feel guilt. It's just a time right. for us to be educated, right? That these things, our changing environment has impacted our gene expression, has potentially impacted our mental health. There's a whole section on mental health now in terms of climate change and how climate change is impacting mental health. Wow. So yeah, I really, it can be a scary time. It's also a very interesting time to say we are, we're having some pretty major physical and mental health issues happening in our country. What are all the pieces? These are pieces of a pie. Right. Yeah. And I think as a parent, if you can get educated and you can understand some of these things, control what you can. Yeah. Well, we need your book right away. So so go ahead and get that for us. But I love that you brought up that kind of like mom shade or the guilt because, you know, I have a girlfriend and her daughter got her started menstruating at 10 years old and and, you know, has little boobies and stuff. And she is she's not like on the thin side. She's you know, full-figured little girl, I guess. That's probably totally the wrong word to use. And she got some shade from some other moms that was like, oh my God, she got her period already. Oh, it's probably because she's overweight. I mean, somebody said this to this woman and I, my heart kind of broke for her because I think that she really is trying to make sure that her daughter's washing her face because now she's battling acne, like basic hygiene. But now she feels self-conscious, like she did something bad as a mother, like maybe she didn't pay attention to this stuff or she fed her foods you know, one too many in and out burgers have you. And so I wonder too, like at, if we can get to this point where we're having these conversations, that's one piece potentially to the puzzle. But there are a lot of uncontrollables out there that can affect this early onset puberty, right? Absolutely. I think speaking from a medical standpoint, being overweight and or obese is a risk factor for yeah. early puberty. And so there's a difference between stating some things as facts, right? Like there's also risk factors when you're overweight as an adult for stroke and heart disease and, right? So there's a way that we can just say it, which is, you know, this is just a fact. And then there's other ways that we can shame people around these things. And so, yes, for that girl, I, you know, that is true that weight is pretty correlated, just like being really underweight is also correlated with, you know, a delay in puberty as well. But when we look at the research over the past hundred years, these things are getting younger and younger. So precocious puberty, which is a medical term for early puberty, is now considered age seven, six and seven. Yeah. Eight is considered. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I've got a 10 year old and a seven year old. You've got a 14. Isabella's 14, right? Like 15 now. 15. Oh my gosh. She had a birthday. Um, I think too, like I've noticed the dynamics of our daughters changing. Like they used to fight a little bit, but they were mostly 
play pals. And now there are deep emotions. There are way more tears than there ever used to be. And it's you hurt my feelings and you looked at me a weird way, but not like I want to punch you. It's more like it cuts deeper. It's more emotional. And my husband and I are just looking at each other like, oh God, like is this starting already? But I love that you're highlighting this because We then, of course, shame ourselves. Like, what are we doing as parents? I mean, I'm inhaling Dr. Becky information, trying to see how do I make sure that I'm being the best parent I can be. But I never thought about puberty being a factor because in my mind, they're just too young. That's right. So I'm glad you brought this up because the other thing that I'm really knee deep in as I'm looking at puberty, potential links to mental health issues, because we have such, we're in a state of emergency and mental health right now is I'm really looking at the developmental stages and realizing there that middle childhood that I'm going to define now in some of the literature is referred to as the forgotten years. And what's very interesting, and Freud even called middle childhood, meaning at about eight to 12, he called them late the year, the time of latency, right? When nothing's really happening. Right. Okay. But we know now lots and lots is happening during this time biologically and now even more socially than, of course, 100 years ago because of social media, because of technology, exposure. And so what's really interesting is if you look at, you know, basic stages of development, you have infancy, we all understand. Toddlerhood, we understand. Early childhood, about three to five. And then you get to Six to seven to 11, let's say. There's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah, there's so nothing. in some, in, you know, in some child development places, you can find it being referred to as middle childhood or late childhood or yeah. like the school years. That sounds way too nothing, right? And then there's, of course, adolescence, which there's usually it's considered 12 and up, yeah. which there's tons and tons about. Right. So every time I'm researching Puberty and middle childhood, adolescence comes up. It's like adolescence and puberty are synonymous. Yeah. But they're not, right? right? Because for the listeners that are listening, especially the women, right? We're all like, well, we've been through this, right? But we didn't have words for it. And I've heard a hundred million stories and no, everyone's like, no one ever talked to me about any of this, no. right? And so nobody even talked to us about menstruation. No. I mean, you just grabbed a wad of toilet paper and tried to get home and steal a tampon or a maxi pad from your mom. Like yep. nobody even told you that was coming. Nope. Exactly. It, yeah. Exactly. And across the country, there is so much diversity on how this is addressed. Some people will say, oh, my kids in health class, they get something like in fifth grade. And now I know through my extensive experience that fifth grade is probably too late, Right. But then you're going to freak some people out if you start talking about this stuff in third and fourth grade in a classroom setting. Then there's a movement around, well, why should only the girls be getting these kinds of talks? Why aren't boys? And why aren't they listening to one another's? Right. Right. A million why? percent. Yes. Right. So then we have that issue. But so what do you think the solve is? I hate to cut you off, but I don't want to lose this point. Like, yes. What is the solve? Do you think that there should be trainings? There should be health ed classes? Like, I know you're being hired to speak to entire fourth grade classes. Like, is that the missing link here? I think it's part of the missing link. Okay. I think that the way that I do it, I I will be honest, because I've had a lot of time that I could be implementing and changing things. I would continue to do it exactly as I do. I don't. I do the class parent child together the whole time. The parent hears every single word I've said. The parents have opportunities to ask questions themselves, and they always do. The parents also have an opportunity when we take two breaks 
and they ask anonymous questions, which I've saved every one of them. I have all these index cards. So great. It's so great. And it's really my favorite thing I do. And so when the girls get to hear the parents asking each other, asking the questions, you know, how do I talk to them about this? How do I reassure them about this? What do I do when they say I'm ugly? I'm bad. I hate myself. And so we have this opportunity. I wouldn't change a thing. I would keep it that way. So that's one of the downfalls of relying on a, usually in most cases, a public school to be providing this information. A, no one's probably ever going to be fully happy with what's being covered. B, parents aren't going to be there. And C, if we don't integrate boys and girls and different kinds of identities, right, sexual identities and gender identities, of being there, then we cannot get the information out to everyone. And I think we'd have to normalize it. Sure, of course, the first time a boy hears things about breast buds, they're gonna they're gonna giggle or they're you know they're gonna be nervous and uncomfortable. But right. girls should know that the way we know a boy's in puberty is that his testicles grow, right? Most boys don't know that. I think like when we try to hide the bodies of other genders or whatever gender you identify with, like it does just breed more avoidance and potential embarrassment and shame. Like, I think we should all sit them down. And I think that at least some of the younger generations are talking to their girls about like actual parts. It's not a like a a cooter or whatever. It's like a vagina and your vulva and like talking about things. Like I have one daughter who will just sit in the mirror and she'll just look. And I'm like, yep, those are, ask me any questions you want, but you can look. Like, I think even just that, like like letting them understand their body and then understand what's changing with that body and that it is going to be their entire gender and then bringing the boys in, right? Or somebody else to really understand this. Because I think when you have an understanding, there's an opportunity to respect it versus hiding it and avoiding the topic altogether. It's not like we're going to radically sexualize these children if they see a diagram of what genitalia looks like. I couldn't agree with you more. I haven't because of time had time. I've been asked a lot to do the boys talk. I would love to co-develop that with somebody, you know, probably a male pediatrician or a male psychologist. I think that would be wonderful and beautiful, but I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, what I've done in terms of a daughter and a parent, I love that that's together. But the missing piece as well are the boys. The boys need to understand what's happening. The girls need to understand as well, like in childhood, to go back to middle childhood, what is interesting, what I think parents listening need to understand is a lot of times, like maybe not you, but really a lot of times people think puberty equals periods. They think that's when a child gets their period, now they've started puberty. But the puberty was probably happening two years prior to that. And so what that means is that like, the process of puberty is pretty long. It's like about three years. And that's how long it takes. So within that three years, so much happens. Again, the first thing that usually happens is the breast bud development. And then, you know, it's interesting because what I do is I look at what's happening physically and then, okay, what are the psychological and social consequences of that physical thing? So breast buds equals, how do I talk to my kid about a bra? Right. Do I get them one? Do we go shopping for one? Do Am I shaming them if I say I think they should be wearing one, right? So it starts with the bra. And then girls get wider hips. And then that's when they start feeling bad about their bodies. Oh, yeah. And then acne can start. And then that feels like a whole you're losing control because, you know, some people aren't going to have acne at all. And some people are going to have lots of acne and trying to understand all that. Then there's body odor. You know, I've had so many parents say to me, do I tell my kid that they smell? 
Yeah. You know, do I do that? And how do I do that? Because my answer is yes. Right. Right. It, they're changing. And so we have to help them with that. But if we normalize it from before it ever even happened and say, hey, guess what? I say this to all the kids I work with. They always laugh. I'm like, one of these days, your feet are going to smell so bad. I'm going to take your shoe and throw it out the door. Right. And just like light about it. And guess what? You're going to start sweating a lot under your armpits. And hair. And this is when we, they'll get know? like one random hair that's dark. Yes. And you're like, oh, uh, shit. Like, yes. That's what I always think is like, oh, God, I think you're dead on, Dr. Cheryl. Like, I think we think puberty is 13 to 16, right? Yep. It's like period to 16. And then everybody's super emotional. But I love how you correlate the emotion to that. So if you have siblings who may be fighting more or it's more emotionally led fighting or parents feel their kids withdrawing, you're saying that could be a telltale sign that they could be in puberty. Yes, it's very interesting because what happens is we know, right, there's a part of the brain, the pituitary gland, and that signals the body to start producing for boys more testosterone or for girls more estrogen. And what happens, very interestingly, now I know way more than I ever thought I was ever going to know, but what happens to the emotional brain, which is the limbic system, is those hormones affect those areas in very distinct ways. This amygdala, it shrinks the amygdala. That's the fear center. So a little less fear and a lot more risk taking. And then there is the hippocampus, which is your memory and the way that you learn. And then you, it's very interesting, but then you think, oh my gosh, you need that prefrontal cortex. You need something to like make good decisions. Well, that is actually about a decade away from being fully completed. Yeah, it's nowhere near it. It's nowhere near. So now you've got the hormones that are flooding. It doesn't just cause moodiness. Like that is a big one and that's an obvious one. But there's other ways that we can even talk about it. It causes irritability. It causes anxiety. It causes depression. It causes rage in boys. And so when you think about it, gender actually, it's interesting, is very important because the way that these hormones were meant to be are pretty gender specific and they have those kind of outcomes. So in general, boys get more aggressive. They get these externalizing behaviors. So they're going to be more aggressive, more risk-taking. Their behaviors are going to be obvious to the outside world. And girls get what we call internalizing behaviors. They're going to feel more sad, less self-esteem. They're going to be maybe more anxious and more depressed. So when you're in regular childhood, the probability of those things happening for either genders is about equal. And boom, all of a sudden puberty comes and we know what happens. Boys are more likely to become oppositional, defiant, antisocial, in trouble. And girls are more likely to get depressed, more suicidal, a lot more withdrawn. This is because of puberty at least in large part. And that's what I really want to help parents understand. Yeah. So while we're waiting for your genius book to come out, what do you think are some good resources? Like I I love to give listeners actions that they could take today to do. And I'm asking for myself too, because of my girls. I'm like, okay, so I have this information from listening to you today. Should I try to broach this subject on my own? Should I get maybe that book, The New Puberty? Check that out before yours comes out. Are there resources on YouTube? Maybe we could sit down and watch together. Like, what do you recommend if somebody's kind of in the thick of it right now? Yeah, that's a great question. There are a couple books that I love. and I've read a lot of them. So I'll go through some of them in no particular order. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, I would say, so if you have a an under eight-year-old, mm-hmm. right? This is for girls. 
There is the care and keeping of you. And that is written by American Girl. And really, they do an excellent job. And so they have the care and keeping of you. And that's geared for about eight to 10 year olds. And then they have the care and keeping of you too, which is 10 and up. I think they do a great job. This is the way I suggest even like broaching the topic with, you know, your daughters, which is basically to buy it and say, hey, I picked up this book. I thought you might like it sometime. And then put it down in their room somewhere. Right. Let them read it on. That's a let them read it on their own book. If they want to invite you into something they're reading about or learning about, they will. But otherwise, it's, a, it's like an intro book. It's written for the girls. It's not like a, hey, God, it's me, Margaret. What did we have? I feel like we had one sad no, little No, that is book. what we had. I mean, that is what we had. And every single thing that I've read, and I've read everything I think on the market, everyone refers to, I probably will in my book too. Dear right. God, it's yeah. me, Margaret. Right. Like, right. It's like, we didn't have very much. I will never forget the whole, like, remember? Increase our bucks. Increase our bucks. I know. It's so silly. I mean, every I, night I did it. Every oh, night. Oh, really? I, I didn't do that exercise. I feel like I was, yeah, I think a big piece of that, like control, you said when they get acne or when their bodies change, like, I do feel like, you know, I'm not the only mother who has a daughter who started to look at her thighs and you know, broke my heart the other day. One of my daughters, her leg was relaxed. So her calf muscle, you know, was swing it, if you will. And she kept doing it. And I said, why are you doing that, baby? And she goes, oh, my legs are so fat. And I said, baby, that's muscle. Like that's your calf muscle. Like flex it and you'll see that it doesn't move. But in her mind, anything, you know, somebody had said, if it jiggles, it's fat. And so now she is just, I've seen her eating less. I've seen her checking herself out in the mirror. I've seen her getting anxious about going up a size when she's growing and she's like a bean pole. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine all these other children out here just not understanding that like, hey, it's not about what you're eating. It's not about these things. It's your body changing. But I, and I feel pretty dialed in. I haven't mentioned a word about puberty or any of this. Yeah. Like we just don't know. Yeah. And I love that you shared that story because that is a very common, very common story that I hear. And I'll just say also for the parents that are in your shoes, I have also who you've met. I have a beanpole for a daughter who is now a freshman in high school. And she was later to get her period because mm -hmm. she's really thin. And her biggest fear, or not even fear, I guess it's a fear, but her biggest complaint about herself is she's so embarrassed. She's so skinny. Right? Right. You can't win. It's everything. Yeah. You can't there's, win. There's, right. And yeah. so that's the thing. We all have to. It was like so grounding for me because. I think by most standards, she would she is athletic and beautiful. And I think that you would judge her and think she must be feeling good about herself. She's not. She won't wear certain leggings because, oh, my God, look how thin my legs look. They're like chicken legs. And she that's so much about herself, though. Right. right. And where she's at in her process of accepting or not accepting her changing body. So it's just for anybody listening, it can happen on any end of the spectrum. And boys, too. I mean, that's the other thing, too. A lot of my girlfriends have boys and I think they're experiencing the rage you're talking about, like some brothers just really, yeah. you know, physically attacking each other with rage. And even in my daughter's fifth grade class, there have been kids who have been identified and expelled or these boys that are having this rage. And my heart breaks for them, too, a little bit because I'm like, OK, but what part of that isn't just them? I don't think a child's inherently bad and it's starting to surface. I think no. there's some stuff going on inside and going on at home. And I already feel like they're being discarded for their rage, right? Yes. They're being totally isolated from the community. 
Yes, absolutely. And you were asking me about book referrals. I am a big fan of there are there's not a ton of them. So probably any of them are good. But there are books about specifically boys in puberty. There are other just parenting boys books, which I'm sure are great, too. But there are also a couple of really good books about boys in puberty. One of them is called Decoding Boys. I think that every parent raising a son should pick up a book about puberty and boys because you're right. We can deal with the withdrawn, quiet, sort of sad girl. But our society is not very accepting of the testosterone-filled, rageful, aggressive boy. Yet it's normal, right? And because it's normal doesn't mean that we don't parent around that. Because we do. Any one of those things we need to parent around. But it's what is the message we're giving to the boys, right? What are we saying to them around their newfound aggression or rage or competitiveness or frustration tolerance that's lower. How are we talking to them about it? And that's what I think is really important. We have to help them understand, hey, bud, you're feeling this way. And in their cases, your voice is getting deeper, right? That's a big one. Your voice is getting deeper. Your testicles are growing. Your penis is growing. Your muscles are growing for a reason. There's a reason they get more muscular. And so I think it's just a really, it's just a beautiful thing. And again, this is mothers and fathers, doesn't matter. When you can talk to your kid in a way that helps them understand. So there's boy, there's something called, I'm pretty sure like the boy's book or something like that. But there's books made for parents. There's a couple, there's not as many, but it doesn't matter because they're, they all have good information of them. Some are made for parents. Great. Read one, at least just read one. And then Like for my son, who's 12, I picked up the boy's book. I think he has two probably books about puberty. And I did the same thing as the care and keeping of you. He kind of giggled when I got it because I got it like a year ago. So it's probably a little early for him by four to six months. But it's okay. I just dropped it in there and was like. The girl's book? You had him read the girl's book? No, the the boy's boy's book. Okay. So I was going to say, so boys then, their range for early puberty is the same as girls or girls are a little bit earlier? Girls are earlier by about a year or two. Okay. That's so, a really good clarifier. Okay, yeah, great. Yes, it is good to clarify that. So it would be there often, and we all know that, right? We always say, oh, girls mature faster than boys. Yeah. But when you translate what it means to mature faster than boys, sometimes we don't like all of the differences though, right? As right. I mean, we as a collective society don't always, you know, it's, so it's interesting time, this middle childhood, because when you were looking at puberty, A, the normal age range, right? Nine to 13 for boys, and eight to, you know, 12 for girls. That's just to begin puberty. That's normal. And that's off, right, between boys and girls. And then within those two genders, there is incredible variance. Like your daughter and my daughter could be in the same class together and be three years apart on when they start puberty. And that would be normal. And like, and don't take that as shame on yourselves, moms and dads. Like, I really do like part of me is terrified my oldest will get her period early because I kind of don't want the judgment of other moms because little girls will talk about it. And I'm like, at what point do I put like an ant flow pack in her backpack? Right. So that she doesn't have that. I really hope it's something she can look forward to. And maybe it's TMI, but they've seen me naked and I, you know, I try to be okay with my body Mm -hmm. when I'm in front of them or changing and they walk in. They've also asked me what a tampon is and I've told them. And I've told them when I have to go to the restroom to change it. You know, I'm trying to do things that my mom never did, which is like showing them by being a model of, you know what, I'm not going to be shameful about this. I'm not going to hide 
my tampon up my, you know, sleeve as I walk into the bathroom. I'm carrying it loud and proud. It's nothing to be ashamed of. So I feel like we're already like way ahead of the curve. But having brilliant doctors like you speaking out about it and doing the research and being passionate enough to write books and provide resources for parents, I feel like it's something we can totally handle now. I do too. And I love that, you know, you're pointing those things out in the class that I teach. So it's called Start With The Talk. During the pandemic, so in 2020, I made it an online class because I genuinely, it was March of 2020 and I do the talk about twice a year. I do it usually in April, November. And I was like, I have to cancel my April class. And these kids need this class. Like I felt like they need it. So I sat there during a pandemic with all these people in their masks and just did it online, like did it whatever, recorded it. And I go through all of that, how to use a pad, how, when to use a tampon. I say, my advice is I say, you should have your period for a full year before you start using a tampon. Right. Yeah. And I talked to them about toxic shock syndrome. I talked to them about shaving and how if you don't let get the advice from your mom or a parent, you're going to cut your legs pretty bad. We don't share razors. You know, like there are a million little details and I have that available. So the nice thing about having an online course, like I like to my bias is to do it in person. But the nice thing about the online course is, A, there's more access for people and B, there's modules. So they're like no longer than 20 minutes. So you could watch a module stop and then just talk about that particular thing I was focused on and maybe never even put it on again for another month or so or when you need it like I have a social media piece well a parent might be like I'm two years away from social media but we're actually at breast buds right now right oh my god okay I'm signing up the second (laughs) we stop recording because I love that you said that it's linked in the show notes everybody Dr. Cheryl, we met at this wonderful I feel like cosmic divinity dinner that we had with some other incredible women probably about a month ago. And since then, you've just been a touchstone on a lot of things. You guys, her website, drcherylziegler.com, I feel like covers so many different topics. And don't forget about yourself too, the mommy burnout. She's a mommy burnout expert. And so there's just this total plethora of other resources there. So be sure to check it out. Dr. Cheryl, thank you so much for spending time with us today. This, I mean, Listen, even if this just helps me, which it's going to help every listener, I think it's worth it because I'll be a loud mouth. I think we need to be a loud mouth to other women about this too, other parents and say, hey, these are resources I'm using because I don't think this is something that comes up over wine. I don't think this is something that comes up when families get together because it is kind of like the awkward puberty talk. But I think we need to be having it. And it's really for the sake of these future generations to have a little less body shame. Oh, you couldn't have said it better. I totally agree with you. We were meant to meet. You sat next to my daughter during this great dinner that we had. Yeah. And I agree with you. We need to have more places and more opportunities to talk about this whole time period in childhood where we don't even have maybe even a proper name for it. Right. Right. We understand that adolescents and teenagers and maybe some people think about that the things that we're talking about are teenage things but they're not they are occurring before those teenage years and if we can intervene empower them educate them when they are whatever age 9 10 or 11 when they hit middle school hardest years right harder than high school when they hit middle school when they hit their actual cycle menstruation and now it's like the next part of the talk which is about okay now you are sexually developed Your body was preparing for sexual development. Now you actually are fully sexually developed. That leads to the next 
talk, which is really important, right? And separate. So the talk doesn't just mean sex. In my world, the talk means, oh my gosh, here is what's happening to your brain and body. And let's prepare for all these changes and celebrate. So I always say whenever your daughter does get her cycle and the first time she gets her period, that it is a warm hug and a congratulations and a celebration. Yeah, I know. I feel like you need to coin some term like the blooming years or the unicorn years or like something positive, because otherwise it does feel like it's a grind of like awkwardness and emotion. So let's stop it. Let's name it something else, something to be looked forward to. So thank you again. Everybody check the show notes for all sorts of wonderful resources and how you can take action today. 